What are you doing? I need to take a leak. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ, Kate, and Bea. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast. We overanalyze episodes of the Australian soap opera, Neighbours, because that's how we roll. We are in the PirateNet studios in Melbourne, mobile PirateNet, this week. I forgot what we decided this place was. Have you recorded here before? I have. The other podcast. Buddy Watch, which is now lives on our Patreon, because we are at the home of friend of the podcast, Charisma Taylor. Hello, Charisma. Hello. I'm Vaya. I'm a TV writer that doesn't suspend disbelief ever. And I have CJ, the hot mess mum. Hello. Where do you think Charisma's base for PirateNet is, neighbours-wise? You know the first place I went, and we've never seen it, is that Charisma kind of works in and around schools without being without being a teacher. That sounds dodge, but it's not. So I'm wondering if Wayne's involved. Wayne, sex best Wayne, is not yeah. at the school anymore. I don't want to be associated no. with that. You've dragged her through the mud. <laughs> I mean, he would love you. You've slandered her already and we're not even two minutes in. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of puzzle paper in this place all the time. I feel like I could be like Toadie's office. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, or yeah, Becky yeah. Law. He never has anyone to sort it out. It's always vacant. So yeah. It's available for you. You would be an excellent assistant for Toadie. I've got a lot of scarves. Yeah, yeah, and you've like you're skilled. And, and he's never had somebody like that there. Charisma also runs an Instagram account called Lady Office Style, and I'm going to be deferring to that when we get into a bit of Friday gear shortly. Firstly, though, Neighbours Council Business. The business, again. And I want to kick it off with something else Charisma's bringing to the table. She went to our frequent karaoke haunt last night. I've talked about it before. Usually we go over Thursday or a Sunday. Charisma went on a Friday night. What happened there, Charisma? Oh, look, there was a, a good crowd in, lots of very enthusiastic singers as usual, and uh, just kind of walking around, heard someone say, Sharon from Neighbours, and went, wait, Sharon from Neighbours, and then basically had to run around the place trying to find her after hearing someone just randomly say her name. That is weird that they would say that. Yeah. I mean, it, they, it is under a backpackers, so it's highly likely that she'd be recognised. Uh, and, of course, what you've got to do when you hear someone from Neighbours anywhere in a public place is accost them. Yes, oh, I do. Thought, I thought you were going to say spam Vaya because that's what you also I did, did. did do that first <laughs> to make sure that there was, in fact, a Sharon from Neighbours. And then went immediately, oh, Dippy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was very nice about being accosted. Um, but I think everyone's friends at karaoke, so yes. it's nice. Yes. Uh, we were treated to a, a, a few songs and also a bit of rapping. And definitely she's excellent at the rapping. Is she? She is. She, she seemed to enjoy the rap more, I think. She's a very personable person, isn't she? Yes, and I would like to know what her karaoke set list was, please. So No Diggity was the highlight, um, yep. but also because I really like No Diggity was the highlight. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely a stellar performance. How was your chat with her? Did you have a good chat? I mean, try not to have too long a chat when you're just accosting people. <laughs> and then no, Charisma, this is against type because you make a friend at the drop of a hat, especially in a karaoke setting. I just, I don't know, I think I feel weirder about it when it's not an act, like, when it's a stranger who you, you kind of know. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to waste too much of your time when you're not an actual stranger, but you are sort of still a stranger. A stranger that you know is just a friend you've... Haven't met yet. You haven't met, but you've seen them on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you've been in her house many times. But I'm just very proud of myself because I was in the area and I didn't stop in. Oh, really? But Sharon, 
if you're listening, please can we go again to Blue Moon as a family, as a squad, and we'll put some more songs in. We'll do some backup on No Diggity. Or anything else. Karaoke gives me anxiety, so I'll have to take something. You, CJ, you can sit quietly and mind the handbags. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I think Kate will bust out some 80s rock if we get 185,000%. <laughs> now, actual business business, nightterrace.com. I host another podcast called On the Terrace where we recap episodes of an audio drama that stars Jackie Woodburn. And I think you would like it. So check that out there. And Facebook group, Our Neighbours Council, kicking off. We had some new entrants Samuel joined the group. We ask a question when you join to make sure you're a human. And Samuel said they listen to the podcast whenever I find the time, wandering around, traveling, just now washing up and trying to hear your voices over the water, which is a nice sensory experience. Not a robot. No. Robots would get rusted if they were doing the dishes. Raj says, I listen to the podcast at the gym because the small TVs on the running machines have stopped working and I feel that the whole point of going to the gym is not to watch TV and I can't complain about it. So you listen to us talk about TV. Raj, I think that's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And we have an Apple podcast review. Friend of the show, Jo, I can recognise her anywhere. She left us a review. Charisma, would you do the honours? Helps to make a better day. (laughs) Is that the title? (laughs) Uh, when it's a thousand percent, oh, only a hundred percent. I got too excited. When it's a hundred percent worth the effort of creating an Apple account for the sole purpose of giving your favorite podcast a five star review, that's nice. It is lovely. I laugh my head off every time I listen, and it provides wonderful therapy for the bemused, baffled, and frustrated viewer of the classic Aussie soap. It's better than a pie served by a waste of space ex con just outside a tram. Yes, and that's what we're aiming for. That is a hun- that's the bar. Actually, I actually have some questions about the tram. Do you want? them now or yeah, later? Yeah, now's good. Let's get them all out of the way. So the tram restaurant is called the 82 or number 82 or something with 82 in it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the Footscray tram. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did the tram get there? Secondly, also none of the 82 trams look like that. That's an older style tram. Yes. They donated a bunch of those trams to various communities. Yes, the number is the thing that annoys me the most. Yes. Carl's sister, who's played by Magda Zabinski, bonus half-sister Jemima, used to go on trips with her dad on the 82 tram. Look, that's the tram that was available to the Neighbours production by the tram donation department, and that's what they got. They wrote a song about it, so 82 probably rhymed with something. Yeah, Jemima's dad. Okay. I know that if this tram existed in our neighbourhood, you would have gone there for a drink. Yeah, it's a kind of gimme covered line. <laughs> yeah. Although I would ask many questions there about why, although here it would make sense because the tram does and, go kind of near here. And would you yeah. ask what an emu omelette, emu egg omelette involved? Um, no, I was okay with the weird native food menu. Okay. Like far less confronted by than most of the characters seem to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would pay to see Charisma um, bailing up. The, uh, the the management of that tram to ask historical questions. Gazcan would yeah. know zero things. If Carl was there on a good day doing customer satisfaction surveys, he and Charisma would shoot the breeze till the cows came I home. I have had emu skewers before. Gosh. Good. Tastes like chicken? A little bit, like kind of uh, leaner in the Ooh. same way that like kangaroo tastes like less fatty than other steaks and stuff like that. I don't do roux. I don't, yeah, I don't do I've had alligator things. meatballs too. <gasps> oh. That should show up soon at, at, the, at the 82. Is it fatty? I feel like they'd be fatty. No, like tougher than regular meatballs, but in that same way, like everything everything Australian just tastes healthier, but also slightly less satisfying. <laughs> they were okay. like Asian spiced kind of things, both of them. I wonder what whether that's how we are yeah. <laughs> as humans yes. as well. I would say so. 
and patreon.com slash neighbourspod. There's still a poll up there for our Moneybags level patrons to vote for, which UK Soap, Kate and I should buddy watch. Kate is in Queensland, mm. home of the retired neighbours resident for the next couple of episodes. And then we look forward to hearing how she's going at Lasseter's Queensland when she gets back. Now, we were going to talk about Wednesday the 18th of September for a deep dive with a little shallow dive across Thursday, Friday's episodes, uh, however it takes our fancy. We meet properly again, Scarlet, played by Christy Whelan-Brown. We met her last episode. We were kind of jokingly saying she's a grifter bride. Mm. She dresses up in a wedding dress, hangs around the airport lounge for whatever sucker will come her way. Yeah, and she will immediately fall desperately in love yeah. with them. That's now, that's the plot. We were being silly, but mm. this is the plot. She's a crazy grifter. It seems really pert at a time when The Bachelor has been on. Like she's somebody who could go on The Bachelor and would definitely be around to like week four. There was some chatter on the council about, you know, this being a, just a trope that's used often. Yes, Louis started a thread. Anyone else thoroughly tired of the unhinged, borderline, psychopathic con woman trope? I can count three in the last year alone. Neighbours seems obsessed with conniving, damaged women. All seems very outdated and slightly problematic. I love Louis. Great point. And Joe, whose review we just read out, suggested a name for this trope, referencing the manic pixie dream girl trope, the maniac stalker scheme girl. And I must say, I'm not 100% sick of it because almost any trope, if it's done well and not that frequently, is great. But as we said, we've just, we're dealing with this just over and over again. I reckon there's now, you know how people say there's seven stories in the world and we just mm-hmm. tell them over and over again? Yep. I think I've decided there's four Ramsey Street storylines on yep. Neighbours and we get them. Uh, this week we had all four. So we've got Maniac, Stalker, Scheme Girl. We've got Intergenerational, Interfamilial Love Triangle. Eek. <laughs> and Space Cadet slash Wild Child Mother and Sensible Buttoned Up daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- different folks from the same family, yep. that kind of one, yeah. And I think the fourth one is just surprise love child or surprise half-sibling. Yep. Surprise family member. Surprise family. Mm. Surprise, surprise, gotcha. Wasn't that a show from the 90s in Australia? And that's what we got. Oh, and I'm going to add a fifth to that. The, obviously, shitbag kid of oh, the yeah, week. Of course, of course. Yeah. But shitbag kid had some turning heart of gold this week. No, he Oh. He did. My mistake, sorry. There's two shitbag kids on the street at the moment. Yeah, you can't have one. So so that's why you had to move, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, one's, okay. I'm one's currently undergoing a process of reform. He's being coiled because mm-hmm. Coyle was a bad kid. Of course. Now he's supposed to be a good guy. Okay, so we have Scarlet. Charisma, what have you established from about Scarlett's life here? She seems like the kind of person who could have her own show, kind of like Midsummer Murders, like where just everything goes wrong around her, but no one realizes it's her fault. Okay, yep. I had to obviously like do a little bit of research to work out how they worked together. Like I didn't quite understand his job. Ned, yes, a yep. hotel porter or something, yes. right? And so she just engineered some injury for the other hotel porter. It's quite homicidal, actually. No one understands his job because he just does whatever the hell he wants. So sometimes he's a porter, sometimes he's Therese's confidant, sometimes he's an assistant. Yeah, front desk. Also, he had the graffiti tours. (laughs) I think he still does that on his spare time. I mean, that's all. They're all tourism related jobs. That's true. So maybe he's just like head of bad boy tourism at the um at the hotel. He's a bit like. Kirk from Gilmore Girls. Just whatever needs doing about town. He's the odd jobsman. Yeah, odd yeah. jobsman. Right. So 
Firstly, it seems weird that she managed to get that job so easily, like, that that was just possible. Yeah, for, in four minutes. She's followed him down from Sydney, like, just because he said Erinsborough's a great place. It also seems in Neighbours World it is very easy to get a job, though, because, mm, it like, is. Colette is just getting every job ever with literally <laughs> no experience as far as I can tell. So, like, it, do, it just be in Erinsborough and you'll just get hired for something, I think. Yeah, you don't even need to finish a degree to be a teacher or anything. And, like, sometimes Carl's, you know, a brain surgeon. Except for, is it Shane, the one in the tram? Uh, Gary. Gary. Gary, right. I'm just going to make up lots of Australian names to fill the gaps <laughs> in my memory at the moment. But, so, but he, wasn't he doing some weird health balls business before the tram? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gary Splissballs. Yeah. He used to do vegan cooking at the motel, the motelness centre, wellness centre. And then for a while he had a coffee hut. And then he's just moved to killing Australian animals to eat now. He just go. you know how people go ambulance chasing for legal work? Like he just, I guess, goes roadkill hunting. <laughs> yeah. He sort of, he would call himself a chef, but I don't believe he ever did the course or trained in any way. Mm. He just sort of started making bliss balls and then he was a chef. Um, he just picks up a niche food. So this time it's this. It's Aussie Asian fusion at the minute. Yeah. Or he's trialling his Aussie Asian fusion. Yeah, yeah. He'll be making something else in a couple of weeks. Back to Scarlett. I just don't think she's actually a very good grifter. I just think Ned's an idiot. He is. Really is shining a light on his idiocy. It's like I think she's extremely transparent. Mm. Like when someone you've only met like a couple of days ago steals your phone and says, no, no, probably that person is not normal and you're not like, oh, that, yeah, that stranger is definitely the most trustworthy person in my life. I should take all the advice from this person I've just met. It's also a bit weird that he just didn't tell his girlfriend Yashvi that he did have a run-in with this bride. Like he's like, oh, I haven't told Yashvi that I spent three hours talking to a hot girl. Well, he tried, he said, oh, I meant to tell you and then she cut him off. But the thing is, is that I think that I would be running to tell my partner that, hey, this yes. person from the airport has tracked me down. Even before that, just going, guess what? There's a jilted bride in this bar. Yes, exactly right. Gossip. Yeah, taking some photos with your phone, pretending like you're texting, yes. but like, hey, jilted bride. And This or- may be something about our personalities, though. <laughs> like, I'm led to believe not everybody needs to debrief on all experiences that they have. <laughs> now, yes, I don't know any of those people, but I am told they exist. Yeah. And so I just think probably was just like, he did kind of half go, well, actually, and then the conversation just got sidetracked and it's like, all right, well, apparently that wasn't the most important information we needed to share today. He, mm. he was a little guilty. So clearly he was thought she was a bit of all right if he was shy about telling yeah. me about her. I think the last few weeks, so on this show we've we've had ick factor about the fact that his girlfriend, he's like 25 and his girlfriend is wearing a high school uniform and, you know, going to English and biology class. And they haven't really addressed that on the show, but this character is given vehicle. She says everything we want to say. She does. Yeah. Can we help you? Oh, this is my girlfriend, Yashri. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were selling raffle tickets or something. I'm Scarlett. She says it with like her evil spite because she's like, because I want to date you. But still, it doesn't matter what she's saying true. And I think over the week before we met Scarlett, we started to see Ned realising he was going out with a teenager. Yeah. Also, though, do school children approach adults on their own in cafes and sit with them to sell raffle tickets? I mean, hustlers would. Yeah. And so I immediately had that thought and then remember, no, Finn actually does just walk around approaching strangers in public places asking them for money. So apparently in Erinsborough, completely normal to yep. just approach strangers and ask them for money and have a sit and chat with them in the cafe or a bar. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I must admit, I get into conversations with salespeople in in shopping centres frequently that it's surprisingly how long it takes for someone to get to their product. (laughs) They're like, hi, talk to me about your hair. Hi, have you got a child? Yes, I'm trying to run after him right now. But And then eventually they'll be like, we sell vacuum cleaners. A moment on how Scarlett got this job. It's homicidally is the answer because she noticed Trevor, the other porter, is they're all run off their feet. And so she shoves a couple of suitcases in his path and he topples over. And I think needs to have spinal surgery as a result. And now they're understaffed at Lassiter's. And instead of, I don't know, calling in one of the other casuals, Scarlett gets herself on the payroll. You know how this has happened though. Because the person who's steering the ship is not there. Yeah, Therese is in London. Oh, and we will touch on that. Yeah. And she seems surprisingly just like nonplussed about the fact that one of the employees had injured themselves. I think she's enjoying that she's not at work and she's like, I'm not there because I'm on my honeymoon and also I'm Mrs. Robinson now and I basically own the hotel. Yeah, I'm delegated. Yeah. Chloe's got legals under it. That's fine. She tried to have a little go and then Chloe was like, I've sorted out and she was just like, okay. I trust Chloe. Yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, also, I enjoyed that Scarlett got told about the sweat towel. Who told it? Was it Millsy? Millsy's just yes. oh yeah, rattling tins in the bar and just starts telling, singing like a canary to Scarlett about all these secrets. Like, oh yeah, his girlfriend used to carry around his old sweaty gym towel. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I recognise a fellow creeper. You're just stalking <laughs> someone who's in a relationship on the internet. Sounds normal. Here's more stuff yeah. to go on. Yeah, we also have a close up of Scarlett's scrapbook. Mm. which was very, again, I'm going to say late 90s, early 2000s scrapbook, more like a mid-2000s smash book. Yes, I like perusing the crafting community on the internet. Just This is a little interesting arrangement she's got here. So it's a scrapbook that has memories and then also evil plots. So it starts with a newspaper clipping and a picture of Scarlett from a while ago. It's captioned, Soul Survivor and Eldest Daughter Scarlett Brady. And we get in the text, accident, eldest, unconscious, that's all we see. Then there's an order of service and in loving memory of Kevin Brady, Elaine Brady, Stella Brady and Samuel Brady, the parents, and this was 05, this accident happened. Oh, quite some time ago. Yeah. So the parents and the the siblings, I guess, are twins, 992, they're in their 20s. Then it cuts to some insanity and that is... Cutouts of wedding dresses and a couple shot with the man scribbled out. Yeah, and also so he's crossed out and scribbled yeah. out. So it's like a double sitting of anger. <laughs> and a double feature ticket. Chris, oh. what's this? Is this a movie? It's a drive-in, so it must be a movie. Oh, Grandview Drive-In. Okay. And then the selfie she took of her and Ned at the airport. Which she's gone down to Kmart and got that printed. <laughs> Gosh, she's had some time, hasn't she? Yeah. And what does she say? She's written above it. Can't see it all, but it says, finally, I've met him. The one. I know I must sound crazy. I was a mess in tatters and something, something. He was my handsome knight in armour at Sydney Airport. Blah, 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 blah. A story to tell our kids. Okay. I can't wait to see her on on The Bachelor, I've got to say. (laughs) Well, like all the other contestants would just mysteriously die. Yeah. Yeah. So that was... My first question is when there's a sole survivor, often that meant they were the killer. Oh, no. I just thought, um, weren't there twins? She's clearly the one that you didn't think died. 
Oh. oh, shit. That's some Agatha Christie style, like, what oh. happens whenever there's twins. Yeah, well, Samuel and Stella. Maybe she was a triplet. Like, um, oh. what's that great movie that had some problems but I still liked it with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively? Simple Favour. Yes. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, I've just embedded some spoilers into my dialogue just then, but gives yep. me a hint of that. Yep. It does. Yeah, I forgot all about it. They're not twins. That's not the spoiler. <laughs> So, Charisma, they book a table at the 82 because Scarlett's like, oh, I'll befriend your girlfriend. I'm, I'm innocent and nice. Because Gazcan's just like, oh, what about a nice dinner for two? Not for you two, though. <laughs> no. Oh, Gaz. But to be honest, this is completely on form for him because he's just sticking his foot in it relationship-wise constantly. Also, just book them the whole table. It's not a, it's not a theatre show. Also, yeah. I'm but pretty I like sure that you can get a table without booking. <laughs> it's an outside tram. Yeah. I like how she just was like, oh, of course, this man who's probably never met me before is assuming that this other guy he clearly knows and I will have dinner. <laughs> yeah. She's also, got some confidence. Also, she's, she was in that same outfit for far too long. She looked like rollerblading Barbie. Um, just that kind of white jacket, pink top, curly hair. I don't know. I just wanted an outfit change from her at some point. She is very much stuck in like 2003 though. So like the... <gasps> oh, 2005 oh. even. Oh, God. Also, IRL, she's 40. She's 40 Christy Will and Brown, looking oh. a million bucks. She is. So I just love the dynamic of a 40-year-old and an 18-year-old on the Ned romance spectrum. It's just delightful. Well, as as we've heard, everyone is welcome on Ned Street. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and at one point, uh, Yashvi blows up because she finds out Ned has already met her before. Scarlet tries to placate her and say, calls her V and then she snaps, don't call me V, which I appreciated. I feel like that reaction would have been better if she could, like, I understand, like, when you're in a rage, you don't have your best, like, dialogue at that time, right? But it struck me as weird, just like, surely that is the line where you're like, we are not friends. Yeah. You don't get to call me that. Yes. <laughs> like, I understand mm. that was the essence, but I just was like, it made her seem younger in a stupid way. Mm. And I think that, like, that is not what her character is meant to be like. Like, the other woman is meant to be the stupid one. Yeah, yeah. But I think we've been highlighting, I think this is being highlighted constantly. I also did appreciate from Yashvi, though, when he Scarlett convinces Ned not to text V to give her some time to cool off. And, of course, Yashvi keeps checking her phone, like, why hasn't he texted me? I could have been in a car accident. Yeah, one caused by your triplet. <laughs> I mean, that's also a weird place to go, though, right? Like, I might have been in a car accident. Like, does he frequently text and say, have you been in a car accident? Um, I don't think that's weird. I would think that 100%. Yeah, same. My mind always goes there. Yeah, I mean, I think I've said to my husband, I've said, good night, love you, and then he hasn't responded because he's busy, and I've said, I could die tonight, and you wouldn't have said it. But also, if he he doesn't respond, then that's your last message. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But also, I'm my living lover is a pee plater, so um, I have to always check that he hasn't been in a car accident. Yeah, and to clear up, he's not at high school. Yeah, yep. (laughs) But also, like when she left him, she didn't get into a car; she just walked off. That's true. She doesn't have a car. She could have got hit. I mean, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah, true. I mean, probably more often in Erinsborough than in other places. Also, V has had a tough day at school, mainly of her own making, because since she outed Mackenzie as being trans, the whole school's jacked up mm-hmm. and Mackenzie's been getting threats, like a threaten- threatening note in her locker. And I don't think we ever read what was in the threat, but it was. It seems like it was terrible, It right? was enough for everyone to look shocked. Mm. I'm glad I didn't have to hear it. And what an um, I was extremely impressed by Susan's actions as principal. She called Constable Brennan, Detective Mechanic, down to the school to question the kids, which I thought was a great move because this sort of hate speech 
is illegal. Very true. I mean, they could have got a better cop down. Yeah, that but, mean, but <laughs> baby steps. I also find that I think the school sets feel really realistic. I know that they're in and around the Nana Wadding compound where they film neighbours, um, but they just choose really the red brick mm-hmm. underpass and I just – it feels very authentic to me. At the school we went to, remember there was like a steps and there was some seats underneath it. Mm. And like for the whole of like one year, I was dying to sit in those seats at lunch. And then the minute that those girls moved on, we got to sit there. <laughs> it was like best ever. And I feel like I'm in that space when, when, I, when I'm at Erinsborough High. Chris, do you remember that I used to always try and find our special spots for us to sit that would be our special spot? Like firstly, there was the big tree. I love you guys so At much. the front. <laughs> The big tree was great, except for that we sat on the driveway in front of the big tree yeah. instead of, like, actually near the tree. Yeah. And sometimes a delivery van would bring drinks to the canteen. and We'd, we'd... have to move off the driveway. Oh, I was going to say we'd help ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you could get them out the back. Yeah. <laughs> a couple I did of it, big M's. I did it once and it was the most scandalous thing I've ever done. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. But one time we went to the junior school for no reason because, like, we had to go so far away. And then we got told off for being, like, senior girls in the junior school. Sometimes we had to move around, I guess, because other people, interlopers, would come in and take our we spot. We got told not to sit on the driveway, so we had to move. I mean, that's a valid point. <laughs> you guys were displaced. We yeah, were. It was sometimes terrible. we'd get displaced. So I'd go on the hunt and I found this beautiful, I think I called it the gully. It was like this sort of arbour, like greenery in an archway. And I thought, this is the perfect spot. Behind the year eight rooms? Yeah. Another one. Another one. And there were benches under it and we sat under there eating our lunch and we got attacked by bugs. Oh, and everyone's why, like, that's why. Many that's tiny why. bugs. Yeah. Every, yeah. And everyone was like, Vaya, we can't sit here. I'm like, but it's beautiful. It's perfect. We'll be okay. And I think two lunch times I made us last and then no. There really was after we were asked to move from that driveway, like for about two weeks, we were just constantly trying to find a new spot <laughs> to sit. Like just... Yeah, this is going to be the spot. Okay, no, we've got told off and allowed to sit there. Oh, no, this is covered in bugs. Oh, this is too close to those other people. It was the real-life three bears story. My, my favourite thing about seating at high school was when you wanted to sit somewhere nice. and that was taken, so you'd just go and sit with them until they'd move. Oh, yes. I love that so Power move. Oh, it was great. you just nestle your bum right in and be like, I sit here now. <laughs> <laughs> What a weird thing to do. Imagine if we did that as adults. And that would begin like a three-month feud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the sort of behaviour that's going on at Erinsborough High. Yeah, except someone's bringing their adult boyfriend to school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also now this hate speech is a safety concern and Susan's made a call. Mackenzie is no longer safe in the uh, female toilets and someone's graffitied the sign, you know, like real girls only or whatever, so heinous uh, language and she's now relegated to the disabled toilets and so like the first person I feel for is Mackenzie obviously but after that I feel for Susan because she's trying to keep everyone safe but and she just doesn't know what the right thing to do is right and this is very ripped from the headlines mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff has been flaring up and people arcing up for no reason it's like just have a unisex toilet and it's fine exactly or just you know let people use the toilets or just have the constable stand there at the girls toilets for the day yeah or get a female constable to Stand in there and wait for a terrible person to come in and yeah. then just arrest them. Like just for a day to put the fear of God in the assholes. We had undercover cops once when there was someone dealing drugs at my school. <laughs> so this could happen. Now Puffy is furious, Puffy Rebecca, and we are yet to find out. There's more going on, but he is taking on a lot of this. So the thing about Shane being obsessed 
with this situation is I really want to know the reason behind it because at the moment I just feel really uncomfortable because if you take away what's happening at the school and the past history between Shane and Mackenzie's mum. Which was that they were neighbours in the same small town. So not actually much of a history, right? It's just Shane's obsessed with a schoolgirl. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't like that. Until we find out the real story, which he's whispered to Dippy off camera, and it's weird. And she seems... Like taken back from it, so it seems like a big. She is asking thing. the right kind of questions, though, to be like, "This is super weird. Do you understand how super weird this <laughs> yes. seems? Yes. Please explain why you're being so super weird." I don't really understand why Yashvi is not asking those same questions. <laughs> like, why are you so obsessed with my friend? I think she just feels really guilty for what she's done, and so she's just thinking, "Okay, my dad's making up for it." Because when Mackenzie was introduced, Yashvi was trying to get to the bottom of who she was and assumed her father had had an affair and this was his love child because that's the first conclusion you draw. I mean, to be honest, that's the vibe that I'm getting from the whole situation. So <laughs> Now, Mr Muggleton oh. is incensed because Yashvi and her fellow classmates are staging a peaceful protest or as I like to call it, a peaceful protest because they think, well, if Mackenzie's not allowed to use the girls' toilets, we'll all use her toilet. <laughs> That's the disabled toilet. All girls should use the disabled yep. toilet, yes, and there's only one of them. Yep. So they have to stand out the front of it in the hallway. Um, they're, they're, ta- they're taking the piss. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where after going to the toilet, they'll then just go to the back of the line mm. um, and, I mean, my heart sang to this scene. It was so good. It's wonderful. Yeah. Mr. Muggleton's rage just lifted my spirits more. Because also he was a little irrational, like, Yeshvi, you can't use a disabled toilet. Like, well, sometimes some disabilities are internal and invisible. Uh, also, like, has he just patrolled the women's toilets to make sure there's not something wrong with them that, like, maybe this is the only available <laughs> toilet at the time? Like, <laughs> But the largest disability is invisible. So that's ridiculous. Like half of the people who um, are disabled are autistic. And he can't tell. An autistic person might need the toilet because of space and there's no queue and there's, um, you know, no other people in there mm. at the same time. But that also, they are I just can't think of, of any male teacher in any school who's going to say to a girl at any point, you can't use a toilet. Yeah. We have needs. <laughs> like, just, they just don't want to have any conversations about what is happening in the toilets. And so they just be like, all right, that's the one you're using, sure. Just- <laughs> that's fine. Let's, let's get the algebra on later. Do you want to miss PE? You can miss PE if you want. Yep. Yep. Swimming? Don't have to do that ever. Like fair if there's some long line of all of the disabled students in the school who are waiting to use the toilet and people who don't need to use that toilet are using it. But I just, the fact that he's just going to patrol who uses the toilet in any situation is quite weird. It is weird. Without doing any investigation. And I do assume that if a disabled student had come along and wanted to use that, that they would be able to go to the front of the queue. Yes. Yes, I'm not saying that people should use services that like are specifically for people who need those yeah. like services or facilities. But equally, I just don't see any teacher in real life having that conversation. No, but Mr. Like, Muggleton does seem particularly offensive. <laughs> I had some like logistical issues with the protest, even though I liked the like the way it played out. Because I just kind of thought if your solution is that we'll now have all of the girls to start with, like use the disabled toilet instead. If there are that many allies using the girls' toilets, then there was clearly no safety issue. Which is, I think, where Susan got to in the end. Like, everything's fine. And as it turns out, the person wasn't going to be in the toilet. Yes. And now Craner Team Rebecca on Twitter raised some valid points about the Abel's protesting by using a disabled toilet storyline. 
saying, I love that students supported Mackenzie and stood against transphobia, but there were other ways the show could have gone about this, one that didn't actually disadvantage disabled people and the community in real life, and it's something that almost no one has addressed. Because, And I was sort of saying that, well, protests are by definition disruptive. Mm. They're never going to be convenient for everyone. But um, Craner also pointed out that it's it's sort of a bigger issue. Ableism. Yeah, the, the, and Neighbours' history with disability and mental illness don't typically favour the people that are struggling with those issues. And I actually think it would have been a very simple story solution if they had just used the staff toilet and it would have been hilarious if, if Yashvi's like, from now on we're all using the staff toilet, then Mr Muggleton could have been pissed. Mm. It would have been a good time. Yeah, it would have been a little bit more relevant. Yeah. I just thought as a solution it was a weird solution to begin with, like saying, hi, because some people in the school community think there's something wrong with you, we're going to like highlight this solution by segregating you even yes. further, but also actually saying that you need this additional facility that is not for you. Like- <laughs> yes. We are using your difference against you and we are using your identity difference as a form of disability. I was like, surely that would fuel the like bullying kid even more to just be like, haha, there's something wrong with you. But then also saying you're going to have to use this facility that's specifically for a different group was not the best administrative choice. I totally agree. Like causing more problems from every corner. I totally agree that it was the inappropriate thing to do and that a teacher of Susan's calibre shouldn't have done that, but or an administrator even. But I think Georgie has played a role in the story. The actor, Mackenzie's actor, has played a role in the story development. And I think that this is what happens. Or well, yeah, maybe this is an experience she's had. And yeah. it also has it does happen. I would have preferred. Of course, it wouldn't have given us as much drama. But in my school that I run, I would have said, "Hey, Mackenzie, come and use my toilet." Like, yeah, in the staff room. Mackenzie still would have been hurt. But so it still would have had a story. Yes. Mm. And Mr. Muggleton still would have raged and it would have been great. Yeah. Maybe we should have made Mr. Muggleton use the different toilet. <laughs> yes. But also if Mr. Muggleton had just, instead of being like, this is against protocol, been um, like, hi, there's an actual problem with you, with all of you students using this toilet. It's because people actually need to use this toilet. Like, yeah. I also feel like there's a way to make him seem like a stickler for the rules, but also like not just be a douche. Right? <laughs> I really enjoyed that he called Susan from his mobile, <laughs> that he couldn't just walk down to her office, which is conservatively maybe two minutes from there. Um, he had to stay, like, on the scene. Oh, <laughs> he's just obsessed with patrolling the toilets. We found this out. What a weirdo. He needs to put that on his Tinder profile. Here's where we get to this point where the shitbag baton passes from Richie to a new villain, Ollie. CJ, will you tell us about Ollie. So Ollie is some kid around town. He doesn't have the blonde hair, though. No, and I want to talk about that in a second. Ollie Sudeikis is his name. So, Oh, he's one, one of your people. No, he's apparently, because I looked up Jason Sudeikis, Lithuanian. Background. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was being presumptuous. Um, I think they were too, neighbours. Oh, okay. Um, so normally our shitbag has longer blonde hair, like mm. whatever the most recent shitbag's name is. Whatever. Like one- Cassius? Yeah. yeah, or One Direction from five years ago. Yeah, we find out later in the week that he's written this offensive letter and put it in Mackenzie's locker. But he's friends with shitbag number one and they're both shitbags together. And then during the protest, shitbag number one, what's his name again? Richie. Richie walks over to the he, – he crosses the line. Oh, yeah. And he walks over to the protest side and someone says, what are you going to do? Now, I love it. This is my most favourite moment in Neighbours of – 
the last few months. Someone said, what are you doing? He goes, I've got to take a leak. <laughs> Ignore those tool bags. Focus on your allies. Don't you mean snowflakes? Excuse me? You're all trying so hard to be woke. Shut up, Polly. You don't know what you're talking about, so just shut up. What are you doing? I need to take a leak. I love that in a process, it, you know, because it was a very masculine thing to say. So in a protest that's about gender and about identity and all of these things, he said, I'm going to be really blokey, but I'm going to go over to the correct side of the fence, let's be honest, and says, I've got to take a leak. It's problematic because, of course, what we're saying is that all girls have to go here. Yeah. Um, and him being there is not really... Like that doesn't really accentuate that point. But he's an ally. Muggleton's not going to enjoy this at all. It's (laughs) it's a whole other can of worms he's not ready for. Yeah. No, he did not enjoy it at all. But presumably the disabled toilet is unisex at all times anyway. Yes. Very true. But it has recently been turned into a female toilet. Yeah. And he walks over to this side and basically says to his friend, I'm not, I don't care for your behavior. And because Ollie arcs up then and he uses every buzzword in the modern lexicon of uh, social justice behavior, he drops snowflakes, he drops woke, he drops virtue signaling. He did did say virtue signaling. The whole swag. To the point where I couldn't understand what his point was. He just didn't want people to be woke. Yeah. They were too woke for their own good. About his ethnicity. Now, I think they they were trying to obscure it a little bit, Sudeikis, but I do appreciate sometimes within... Uh, a culture, an ethnic culture, there is prejudice against other cultures. I've experienced it. Like it was controversial when my Greek cousin married an Italian guy, for heaven's sake. There is prejudice in those circles and it it would be a nice opportunity for that to be expressed, you know, in that way because later we meet Ollie's mum and maybe Ollie's mum could have read him the right act and said, hey, we experienced prejudice as Lithuanians <laughs> Or as if they'd really leaned into it as like uh, whatever, Italian background, whatever it is, Middle Eastern background. But no, she was just kind of whitewashed and it was like Ollie's being a shitbag. But it would have been a nice moment to go, hey, our family was treated unfairly. You're now behaving the same way to this other person and that's not okay. But they kind of just eh, shrugged around that. I mean, there could be still time for that technically. Like, mm. I assume <laughs> this is the end of that storyline. However, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is time if they want to make time. Except... The issue is flipped around later in the week, as we've touched on, because Shitbag is walking in the complex and he has another go at Mackenzie and Shane's there. Yeah, roughs him up. Roughs him up. And he, you know, he's in a, Shane is inappropriate. You know, um, why are you so obsessed with me, way? Yes. Yeah. That and also man against child, way. But also somebody needed to tell that kid not to do things, but they should have said it. Yeah. <laughs> with, their, <laughs> with their words. With their words. Um, and then mum comes in, as Vez mentioned, mum comes in later on. How's her so, fashion though? That puffy vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's switched on. She's a mum. <laughs> we could hang out. <laughs> she's basic. I bet she's got one of those neoprene bags. I bet she does. I just <laughs> bought one, everyone. <laughs> so that's that. And we'll find out more about what Shane's harbouring in the coming weeks. But wonderful to have Richie D shitbagged, I hope. Hope he's now one of the good guys. Well, in our seeing next week, new shitbag. Because um, Pierce's son's, I think he's going to be new shitbag, isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. He's already, yeah, he's arrived with the full shitbag profile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he tries to pick up Mackenzie next week. Okay, interesting. He's also trying to pick up. I mean, his... he's trying to pick up everyone he's met so far. Yeah, his good dad's point. girlfriend. He, I don't like him. I don't, we don't need him. We don't, I don't like him. Let's touch on a couple of things. 
The first thing is cribs, MTV's cribs. Okay, <laughs> right. We call them cots in Australia, but suddenly we don't. Oh, I am so upset that Katie's not here for this because she would have so many things to say. Well, I think she summed it up best on Twitter. I'm going to read out her oh, tweet. Okay. I forgot that she, she can talk from the internet. <laughs> at Remude, Kate says, Nobody wants either of your bodged up cots. Let Ellie choose a new and safe cot. I mean, I'm led to believe this is a real thing for like people when they have babies. Everyone's like, I've got this great idea for a gift. And the people having the baby are like, oh, we actually have one of those in mind that we already want. That's why people re- have registries. Like, And yeah. I like all of these people being like, I've had this brilliant idea because I know exactly what like aesthetic will ha- like go in wherever the baby's going to sleep. In, her, in the room she rents from her auntie. I love that nobody's suggesting she should move out with the child yeah. and, you know, grow up now that she's a parent. It's funny that the Darren house has a spare room. You'd think... <sighs> Oh, David and Aaron will be like, we'll just set the cot up in the spare room, in um, Leo's old room. Yeah, then she's still having a spare room at someone's house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I just think it's weird that, like, it's nice that they both had this idea, but wouldn't it also have been nice to just be like, hey, Ellie, we found this awesome crib, cot, bassinet, whatever. Uh, is that the kind of thing that you're into? <laughs> like, she, she could have also, yes, she's off screen, but she could have said, like, she could have sent them an email or a Pinterest board and said, Oh, my God, I'm into vintage cots. I'm obsessed. Yeah, then she would have got the British um, iron one that everyone gets who's into that. She wouldn't have got the Meccano set one from Ikea in <laughs> Like When they first said, I found this, like, vintage crib, I was, like, imagining more like a bassinet, like a wicker basket yeah. sort of style thing, not like – I was like, oh, actually, that's just a full cot. And like, it didn't look vintage. It looked like everything on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, like the squarer one that – um, Millsy's got that one just looks very normal yes. to me <laughs> it looks like the crib that we all would have been in the three yeah. of us would yeah. Been. yeah oh no mine was much more like 1970s <laughs> yeah. kind of like thinner yeah. wood bars got we've me. gone back there that's what my son's was like so it's now it's like a home renos reality show you've got B and Millsy V Aaron and David in who can pimp up their best crib for Ellie who doesn't even want one and and Millsy keep saying oh yeah we'll get my brother Sean who shut up Who cares? He's not here. I hate this storyline so much. The reason that I hate it is that pregnancies aren't shared. Children are. Yep. And can be. Not always. Pregnancies are in a uterus, which belongs to the person who's carrying the uterus. Yes. And I hate this so much because when it comes to choosing birthing styles or anything about the child when it's still in utero, it's up to the person holding the baby. Unless you're in like a payment surrogate situation. Yeah. Right? Uh, so I hate it so much. Like I hate that Sean, that Millsy keeps trying to bring Sean into it. You know what? If Sean's into it, get on a plane. Which oh, I think that's sadly on the horizon. Or get on the phone or get a legal document drawn up that talks about how yeah. many accessories you get to be involved in the purchase of. Yeah. Get Toady to draw up a contract about who's going to baby Bjorn. It is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like if Sean wants to be involved, tell the mother you want to be involved. There must have been another way- reason to get Millsy to crack apart from cots because because oh, everyone wants him to crack right because he so he yelled at david and that's supposed to be the the chink in his armor yeah and david's his ally david's yeah. been behind him the yeah. whole time and it was over baby beds okay weird but when um aaron has a go and he references <gasps> well how good oh, was that 
That was stunning. He barrels into the Kennedys. Your boyfriend is a jerk. It wasn't David's place to get involved like that. Finn, David has always stood by you and this is how you go and treat him? Well, he tried to tell Oh, yeah, yeah, and why don't you go and tell the gay guys to have a baby of their own like it's that easy? Shots fired. Love yeah. it. But, like, also, it's not your baby either, mate, so that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I suggested early on in the pregnancy that Ali should just give it to them. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> she's She said she's into it, but I still don't think she's into it. Nah. Oh, look, she'll be okay when she can um, pump and dump. Yeah. Yeah. Charisma, now I asked you to watch Friday's episode two. I thought you would be amused. I mean, there's a cult and I thought that would be fun. But also... I mean, we have... I was a bit disappointed at the lack of information about the cult that I have from that episode, to be honest, except for some numbers and a man wearing a skivvy. Yeah. I mean, skivvies obviously are from cults. I mean, it's not really a skivvy. It's one of those like weird priest collars, which definitely in a cult you wouldn't need to bother with. So, And skivvy, I've learned, is a very Aussie term. It's a turtleneck. Brits, that's what we have. Now, seems so I tried to work this out. Is it actually, though, I thought a turtleneck was like a half skivvy, but the one with the roll neck is a skivvy? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard the word skivvy said somewhere else. <laughs> no, it's definitely very Australian. Um, do you know what I, I really enjoyed? It just sounded to me like she sold Amway. <laughs> this is Harlow's mother we, yeah. we're going to meet. We meet her because where have the newlyweds, Tarage and Paul, gone for their honeymoon? Um, they've gone to London. There's yeah. only two options, surely. It's Queensland or London. So <laughs> This is very true. And they're in Queensland when they got married. So this is where they've got to go. Um, I'm sad they're not in Paris. This is where they should be. Yeah, I was thinking Greek islands for them. Oh, yes. But I reckon they're possibly staying in the room in which um, Toadie's child was conceived in. Yeah. It did look strikingly similar. Where Andrea sexually assaulted Toadfish to conceive Hugo. Good point. But don't you love this tableau of them in their bathrobes? Uh, they've got like a three-tiered dessert cart that they're eating off of in bed. Yes, I love it. Um, I recently went to a hotel that had bathrobes and I didn't put them on. They feel – those terry-telling bathrobes are uncomfortable. But also I love that they immediately got them on because they're hoteliers, yeah. right? They're like they're going to try all of the parts of it. I love it. And I love that they had the dessert tray come to their room and Therese is leaning into her Mrs. Robinson. I can't wait to see how far she's going to lead into this. Yeah. I really can't. I can't wait. And so they're having like their strawberries and whatever. They're just hanging out. Yeah. Like they're not going to see the sights. Charisma's just brought in her terry-telling bathrobe. Is that your husband's? Andrew. It's your husband's. Do you have matching ones? Oh, they're his initials. I'm like, is that from a cruise line? That's adorable. They were a wedding gift. So while they're in London, in front of the London Eye, that's how you know it's London, they decide to have a catch up with their boarder's mother because they're like, we don't have any follow-up questions for this teenager that wants to live with us forever. Also, I imagine that when you get married, oh, firstly, we need to shout out to Teresa's moment where she pretended that she'd ran into drab. Oh. <gasps> What a prank. Yeah, I love what that. What a prankster. I love that because it was an act, it was meta. It was an actor acting and I thought that was really fun. So I would assume they've explored each other sexually, these guys. <laughs> you know, they don't really need more of that. So if you're going to sit in a hotel room, don't go to London, right? Go somewhere five – go to Bali yeah. or something. But they are just sitting in London – inside a little box and the sights are just there yeah. but they're not going to see them they're just hanging out in their in their robes which is so weird well they've got the jet lag that oh, is yeah. mentioned yeah. Oh, good point good point um so instead of going on the london eye and i would assume paul has access to the queen um <laughs> but no they just sit there and eat and then they're like we're gonna go and see harlow's mother and they didn't even have her phone number i think they had to ask for it 
Yeah, because Harley didn't want them to see her, which becomes evident why. So I don't know. I guess Paul called his old um, detec- detective mate, his um, PI, mm-hmm. to track it down. He must have. So you'd think that this is a bit of a weird situation, right? But my parents, when we had an exchange student when I was a kid, did leave the exchange student with a couple, like with a family friend for two weeks while we went and visited her family in it's Denmark. so weird. So like <laughs> apparently yeah. adults do think that this is in some context, just a normal thing to do. <laughs> like just meet the family of the child staying with you. I don't know if your parents are the yardstick by which people, <laughs> typical parents should measure themselves. They could be on Neighbours. <laughs> that Yeah, they really could. Oh, could you imagine your mum being the local minister on Neighbours? Now, Charisma's mother's not in a cult, but she would play a very enjoyable cult member. And I think your father. Leader. leader. Your father, no, Charisma's dad would play a great cult leader. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like he'd really have fun with that role, I think. I think that's probably true. Um, my mum would enjoy talking about like the numbers and the different like personality types that they were meant to be part of, but so, also like while saying that's not what the religion bit is about, it's just interesting academically. So, Charisma, <laughs> tell me about what you observed from this cult because what's her name? Prue. Prue. Prudence. Immediately sizes up Paul into rage. Well, mostly what I noticed about her was that she was dressed like a member of a girl band from like 2001. That hat. It's just amazing. I've got a hat that would rival that hat. I'll find it later. I think we could rummage through Charisma's wardrobe right now and put that ensemble together. The hat is in that pile somewhere. <laughs> so we've got the hat. The hat is my favourite bit, but there's also sort of zebra print leggings. You must have those. Um, I've got a pair that would, like, 100% I can put together something that looks very much like this outfit <laughs> at the end of the episode with my Terry Telling robes. You guys can have the robes and I'll have this outfit. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and then a kind of... Purple blotchy top, which is 100% something my mother would wear. So there's a lot happening. It does look a little bit like she got dressed from my dress-up box in like the late 90s. But also her hair is immaculate. And this is what confused me the most is the rest of the outfit looks very haphazardly put together. But the hair is just gorgeous. Like my hair would not stay like this for more than about one minute. Especially in London. I don't know what the climate's doing over there at the moment. Actually, though, she does look like someone who would like come up to you on the street in London and say, can I take a picture of you for my fashion blog? <laughs> like I could imagine that happening also. And is it her picnic rug that she just carries around? I just assumed that the tourists had it with them somehow. No, because she, she tosses them off it. Yeah, she, when she, she does the leave. Oh, when it she has her. to leave because of the creepy lurker. Yeah, She does the magician's tablecloth trick to Tarage. <laughs> and like... She tugs her off it. She rolls her off. Well, maybe because she knew she was meeting them. She's like, I would like to meet in this public park, so I'll just bring a rug with me. And how does she assess them? Oh, please, call me Prue. Oh, you know, it's so good to finally meet you. Oh, strong. You're a type eight. Sorry, type eight. And you, my love, well, I'm thinking type three. Right, well, I hope that's not out of (laughs) ten. And it's clear that she prefers the type eight over the type three. And... I she's diagnosing them with diabetes or something. It is. It's her ancient philosophy from the 1960s. One, that was yeah, my favourite line was, in the conversation. And Therese enjoyed it too. I, yeah, she really enjoyed it. Somebody mentioned on the council that these people, the cult leader and her, are like maybe like breakfast TV hosts or yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Denise Van Outen is a, an English TV presenter. I'm not sure about the other man. Mm-hmm. He was a, My partner could not stop giggling through this scene. Every glance, every look, every... It was dialogue choice. I wanted much more of it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get it. Okay. It was a, it was a little tasting palette. I'm very concerned we're never going to hear of these people again. <laughs> That's all. It's Harlow calling them a cult. The restoration order is what it's called. Yeah, I want 
Paul buying a membership to the cult. Like, that's what I want. I was worried when Harlow was telling Amy about it. She's like, oh, this is how she gets you. You know, she gets to know you. And I thought, oh, no. Paul and Teresa are going to be members by their end of their honeymoon. Yeah, if someone tells them it's an exclusive club, Paul is going to want in. <laughs> He's like, where's my platinum card? Yeah. Oh, gosh. He's like, I've got 12 of them in my wallet. I'll give you all of them. <laughs> Richard Arnold, the Good Morning Britain presenter. Right. He's the one in the skivvy. It is a skivvy I've checked. Well, that's fun. I love cults on Aaron's, in, in Erinsborough. <laughs> that, that, was more, that wasn't the end of the sentence. I love cults in Erinsborough. Remember we had a one-person cult a couple of years back with oh, Daniel's ex-girlfriend, Rain. Maybe. So do you think these people are going to come to Australia or is all this story going to be in England? I've got a feeling it's all in England. Oh. Surely they can't spare actual TV presenters from, like, in real life to come and be on Neighbours That's for a, like a long They'd have to time. pay them a lot of money. I mean, it was over the English summer, so I don't know if they have hiatus leave or anything. I mean, obviously, they can't film all the time, but then maybe Good Morning Britain, they literally would film all the time. Yeah, because there's a morning every damn day, isn't there? (laughs) So it seems plausible from the information we have about the cult so far that it is just numerology, in which case it doesn't seem like a very compelling reason to leave your entire life behind. No. Although it's nice that numerology is back. I feel like it went out of fashion in the 90s. Yeah, well, so did her outfit. Well, that's fun. More cult action, um, and we get a sinister text to Harlow at the end of the week saying... Don't be alarmed if I don't contact you again from her mum. Yeah, which I feel like Harlow's like, okay, yeah, no worries. See well, you, mum. Yeah, I just kind of think Harlow's like she's, you know, she's in this weird cult. They just kind of made her like leave her the rest of her life behind, which seems like what cults do, so that's mm. normal. But then it seemed like the vibe of the conversation with Paul and Therese is just very much like – her trying to get away from them as soon as possible. Like maybe she actually kind of is coming to understand that the creepy cult guy might be a bit creepy. But also it seems so like... So maybe the conversation, like the text message is more just kind of like, oh, don't worry, I'm not involving you in this kind of thing. Also, there's no real stakes yet because Harlow's happy to live with Paul. Paul's happy to have her. Cult lady's happy to go off and do whatever she does in the park. And everyone's fine. I love Harlow's sartorial choices. Whoever's doing her, her wardrobe is great. They are gorgeous. I agree. I really, yeah, I want to dress like Harlow. Just on a weekend. It was just her weekend and she was in tights and a button-down yeah. blouse. And, oh. and I love that she wears that in the same moment that Roxy's wearing like a string bikini and cut-off shot. <laughs> love it. No, she'd go the other way. It was like she's from Britain so she'd be cold. Nope, there we go. She'd be too hot. She'd yeah. be the yeah. other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Roxy, like her temperature is always eight degrees higher than everyone else. Yes, I want to hear, like I actually would like there to be more information about exactly how the cult works at some point. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, disappointed yeah. I don't know enough about the religion yet. Yeah. They this, just lurk at this stage. Yeah, and they take money. So it just really like, Is it just like numerology? Is <laughs> And how did, uh, what's her name? Prue get into the orbit of Rob Rob, um, Harlow's criminal father because she's a hanger on uh, that's that's our general thing that this terrible guy has come to town and she's like i will love you forever and then he made a baby with her and went, and went away i think well i mean if you're in a cult it seems like you might have some kind of fairly easily swayed personality mm. so yep. maybe being like swayed by dodgy men is also not difficult to and, believe and he was um disturbed so he had some untreated psychological issues yeah he's clearly a number four <laughs> So let's do Citizen of the Week or Shitizen of the Week. I'm going to go Citizen. What's the shitbag's name again? Richie. I'm going to go with Citizen Richie, but I'm going to take a leak. <laughs> I loved it. Crossing the picket line. Well, then I guess I have to do Shitizen of the Week, Ollie. Sudeikis. Imagine if he was related to Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, just get your hate speech and get out of my face. Yeah. 
Fair. Charisma? I don't know if I have any different things to add there. I mean, I just feel like the citizens are so rife at the moment. You yeah. could pick almost anybody. <laughs> just like, bad day. <laughs> just like, oh, this week everyone's a bit shit. Oh, like, Bachelor Sun is clearly, like, ramping up to be shitison at some point. Yeah. Like, mm. it's just his whole personality is clearly meant to be that. Yeah. Although I think he's going to be a chef one day. Did you notice the little the little um, information about how we like smoked salmon and <laughs> stuff like that? So I reckon he could be at the eighty two anytime <laughs> soon now. So is that you're locking that in, Charisma? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair because like just everything about him makes me cringe. Every character that comes in has zero redeeming features. None. I mean, but this is the point in the whole show, right? You can't really pick your neighbours. They move in, <sighs> right? And people are like, oh, well, I have to be friends with you because you live next door. Ain't that the truth? You know? Now, Kate usually does a check-in on the saddest bitch in Erin's mistakes. We don't want to take that power away from her. No. But I, I'll just nudge Ned up the chain for falling for this grifter bride and she can pick up that ranking when she returns. So, Charisma, if people enjoy fashion, they should check out your Instagram. I mean, if they want to. It's uh, at Lady Office Style. It is... Usually we have theme prompts, but I was a bit sick this month and we haven't got them up at the moment. But there's still plenty of the outfits. I've had a bit of an op shop binge recently. so. And we'll give Charisma five minutes at the end of this episode to put together a Prue Ensemble and she can put that on Instagram. Lady Office Style. Sure. CJ. At CJ the Hot Mess Mum. On Instagram, I'm at Vaya Pashos and we are Neighbours Pod on Twitter if you want to share your thoughts. Neighbourspod at gmail.com. Facebook, Neighbours Council or our main page is just neighbours, neighbours, <laughs> Freudian slip, and patreon.com slash neighbours pod. I always, I don't plug this because they're gone by the time you hear this, but I always post little lens videos of us getting ready for the pod and just some shenanigans. So that's a good Behind time. Behind the scenes. Yeah. So have a look at that if you are one of our beloved patrons. And hashtag pod strike. If you took part in the global climate strike this week, last week, well done. Charisma and I did. We ran into each other in a crowd of 100,000 people because Charisma used spidey senses to track me down. Wearing hot pink helps. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. I like the way you work it. No diggy, no diggy, no diggy.